You are listening to episode 56 of the Unnecessary Nonsense Podcast. The podcast of two unqualified idiots, blah, blah, blah. We're still unqualified. Blah, blah, blah. Format, blah, blah, blah. Made it up. I'm Carlos Alcazar, and with me, as is often the case, Dave Turnbull. Hello, Carlos. I'm glad that, uh, you know, we're still unqualified. That's the most important part, I think, of the intro. I feel deeply committed to my lack of qualifications. Anybody can pretty much put a podcast together. I feel that's qualification enough. Well, that's the standard that we're going by these days. That's uh, Listen, we made it to 56 episodes of talking utter gibbers. So that's, you know, that's a, that's at least some kind of a milestone. Question mark? Yeah, that, there's something to be proud of in there. I'm not sure what, but there's something. Absolutely. Now, we're going to have a couple of things. Uh, I am going to play a little bit off of last week's episode and talk a little bit more about Project 2020 because there is some more happenings to it. We're not going to spend as much time on it as last week. Last week was introducing us to it and, you know, introducing us to the world of Fuji because everybody needs to know about the world of Fuji. I honestly think it should be brought to you this week by Fuji. I, I like, but for real, like he actually sponsors us because we talk about him so much. All two episodes, exactly. That's <laughs> enough on this podcast. That's enough. There may be a day. There may be a day that we will be sponsored by Fuji. Dare we live the dream? Dare we live the dream? But I'll be honest with you, uh, and I've said this for a couple of episodes, but uh, this past episode, just just taking the the snippet that I took, it was one of my favorite episodes, just because it incorporated you know the introduction of Fuji, uh, you know me ranting on peers. It was fairly glorious. It was pretty awesome. I'm not going to lie. So the Project 2020 thing, and ironically, my discussion of peers also uh, was kind of a fun thing and almost a little bit foreboding and a little foreshadowing because one of the other things we're going to talk about is Dave's favorite quarterback, lover of uh, all equality and, you know, uh, diversity, Drew Brees, who took a uh, who took a 180. And, uh, you know, that escalated quickly for Drew Brees. We'll talk about that and how uh, he began the week as a villain. No, sorry. He began the week as a hero, became a villain midweek, and then by the end of it, became a reformed man. It was quite an eventful week for Drew, one Drew Brees. And that was all in a period of less than 48 hours. It was very impressive. It was really, really some fine work by him. I'm telling you right now, if only, if only the man had addressed this, you know, lack of peer issue in New Orleans, none of this would have happened. And I'm going to stand by that till the end of time. All right. Well, that's what you do, Carlos. So. I don't care how much uh, he donated to the city of New Orleans. You know, they're built after Katrina. That's all well and good. They did not build a pier, and therefore that place is cursed, possibly forever. But they, they do have more Super Bowl championships than Cleveland, and Cleveland has a pier. Wait, so Cleveland has negative one Super Bowl championships? Is that true? No, I said I said that. What? Yeah, this, you said more. So negative one, you know, more would be zero. Okay, and Just um, because you don't count a legitimate championship, Carlos. Is it legitimate? Question mark? It is quite legitimate. I, I Fair enough. I it's more legitimate it at least than the six that Tom Brady has, that's for sure. A wooden dollar bill is more legitimate than that. But I suppose, you know, if we're going to count it, I guess, you know. I guess the New Orleans championship is as legitimate as Mike Trout's three MVPs, so why not? You know what, though? The thing is, there's a lot of people that think Mike Trout's three MVPs are legitimate. So I'll take that. Yes. I'll take that. Yes, and uh, I question those people just as much. Anyway, we'll talk more about that guy in a bit. And the third thing is uh, Dave has some questions and stuff, uh, some personal issues with the NBA plan for the restart. And we'll talk about that. And we'll kind of see. I genuinely don't know what his issues are with it. He could have various issues. It could be carryover from the disappointment of Drew Brees. Who knows? I can't speak to it. We'll get to it when we get to it. But first, let me do a quick update on Project 2020. I already kind of gave you the outline of it. 20 artists, 20 different iconic cards from Tops. Hold on, we're, we're not talking about our, our, our weeks. Like, don't the people want to know what we did first? You know what? That's true. I kind of got a little distracted. I was getting excited for, by more Fuji. Let's do that. Let me, let me back. Which is understandable. I mean, getting, getting excited by more Fuji is quite understandable. Dude, Fuji, like just Fuji. All right. I, I will resist the urge to jump straight to more Fuji, but let's do that. So tell you what, Dave, 
in a nutshell, how was your week? Uh, it was a pretty good week. I'm not going to lie. Uh, the nice weather had me getting outside more, so I'm uh, biking, enjoying all the hills that there are in Waterdown. And yeah, I mean, nothing crazy, crazy exciting this week. Uh, the one thing I will say that I think is actually worth bringing up is I've been watching some old broadcasts of different sporting events. And one of the things that was on that I had PBR that I watched, which I quite enjoyed, was the 1982 All-Star Game uh, from Olympic Stadium in Montreal. Okay, so the baseball All-Star Game. Yes, the, yes, okay, the baseball All-Star Game. Okay. And, and it was, you know what I mean? It was like, obviously, it's got the spectacle one. It was First of all, it was one interesting seeing Al Michaels being the announcer for okay. half the game. And then, of course, Howard Cosell was there as well. But it was interesting because it was like, you know, that's when people really, really cared or like part of the time when people really, really cared about the All-Star Game. And, and yeah, played well, in such a way, right? Like, you know, there was obviously reference to the Pete Rose bowling over the catcher in that, you know, that obviously wasn't in that game, but they made reference yep. to it, showed the replay. Uh, and it was also really weird because I've been to Olympic Stadium. I've watched baseball in Olympic Stadium. And we all know how much Olympic Stadium sucks, period. But especially for baseball. But it was really neat to see, for all the wrong reasons, that they still had the track in in the stadium. So, like, not the warning track, but, like, the running, you know, track from the Olympics. I don't know if it was the same one from the Olympics, but obviously it's from track and field. And so it was yeah. like the, you had the home plate and then instead of like a back, there was a, there was the, like a six lane track and then the backstop, which I'd never seen before because the games I remember watching at the expos, they'd gotten rid of that and moved up the seats and the backstop. Yeah. Well, if you think 1982, they were only six years removed from the Olympics. So it wouldn't shock me if it was still either in use as a track and field venue or if they simply hadn't spe- bothered to spend the money. My, if you remember how long it took Olympic Stadium to get paid off. Well, this is true. I, I wouldn't be shocked if they were like, yeah, leave the track. We'll get rid of it eventually. Yeah. And, the, you know, the roof was open. There, I mean, it wasn't. I mean, it wasn't. It was supposed to be a retractable roof. That's what they originally designed. Obviously, that never happened. But this was before they put the roof in, too. Uh, Could you imagine if they had done a retractable roof in 1976 with the cost overruns they already had? That would have been pretty entertaining. But they'd be paying it for another 50 years without a team. For sure. For sure. That'd be hilarious. <laughs> yeah, at least at least they had the stadium paid off before the team left. Great. That Shall we count that as an accomplishment for the Montreal Expos franchise? At least you paid off the stadium before ditching town. I would say yes. I feel I feel as, as Montreal Expo accomplishments go, since they got jobbed in 81 and jobbed in 95, or sorry, 94, then yeah, I feel that's you know should be up there. Maybe that should be a plaque at the Olympic Stadium. That was paid off before team ditched us. That and UP. <laughs> that and UP. UP is an accomplishment grade. Oh. But anyway, I, I mean, watching those old broadcasts though, when it when it's something interesting, I also watched the uh, Dennis Martinez perfect game. That one I saw a little bit of. Yes. You know, so those things are those those things have been entertaining, and and I've been enjoying that, and, and watching some of the old broadcasts and the old announcers. But otherwise, it's just been usual work stuff, baby stuff. Nothing too exciting, but nothing to complain about either. All right, fair enough. How about you, Carlos? I got a couple of things. Uh, one of them is uh, a little bit of uh, a little bit of time, downtime boredom. Um, I decided I'm a big, as you know, I'm a technology connoisseur. I'm this person who enjoys that kind of thing. So I was playing around with, and I think I don't remember if I discussed it with you or if I was talking about it with somebody else. I was looking at uh, upgrading my cell phone. It's not that I needed to, to be fair. Let's be clear, I didn't have to, but I do like having um, I do like having kind of uh, two phones. One that's kind of a backup phone, but one that's also kind of when I get bored, I can kind of flip between them. And I up until this point, the last little while, I have a Samsung S uh, 10 S 10 E 
let me get the let me get that right Samsung 10e which is still a good phone and it's still a fairly new phone and then my backup phone quote unquote which I would play around with from time to time was an iPhone 6s which is not a new model but it's still good still does a job but I thought to myself you know I could probably serve to upgrade the iPhone a little bit get it to a newer model because they do keep the software updated for quite a while because the 6s is still viable you can totally use it as a phone but I thought all right why not because I'm not on a contract or anything let me check and see what's available so I go over to our good friends at Fido, who I've got my account with, and I look. And on the website, they've got the, the XS Max, which is like the 10S at the time. So it's a couple of generations old, but still fairly new. And they had a, um, you know, a pre-owned version of it, which is $0 down, and then you pay your monthly thing for 24 months, and you're done. Straightforward stuff. I'm not getting too deep into details because it's not that interesting. But the point is this. I go to the website, and you can do this all self-serve, which is great. So you go online. And, you know, pretty straightforward. I go in and I say, okay, great. Select your phone. Great. This is the plan. Because I'm not using data. I'm working from home, right? So I don't need a lot of data. So I was able to downgrade my plan. I worked out the math and I could get the new phone. And basically, actually, considering I got rid of my Netflix, I can actually be paying like 5 or $6 less per month than I was paying before and get a new phone out of it. That is solid. So I thought, great. This sounds wonderful. And, and I'll have a new piece of hardware, a new toy to play with for a while. Plus, I miss, uh, even though I have Spotify and I get the premium and it's awesome and I get to discover new music and it's great, I've got a whole library on my Apple Music. And I was like, I have to go to my, uh, I have to go to my tablet or I have to go to the phone that's kind of sitting there as a backup as a glorified iPod. And I'm like, well, maybe I'll start using, maybe I'll use an iPhone for a while and I can at least have my music library in the phone. For a little while that'd be kind of cool so i went and did everything i don't get any kind of a confirmation or notification but the my account gets changed over okay fine i decided let me give it a couple of days i did this on uh, either saturday or sunday last week okay all right so i give it a couple of days around tuesday i'm like well it doesn't take that long to acknowledge it let me let me at least call, double check so i double check i can't see anything i can see they changed the uh, the plan i have Everything else seems to be acknowledging it. And when I try to do an upgrade again through it, it says, oh, you've already got one processing. I'm like, okay, fine, but let me check the status. So I give, so I decided to give Fido a call. I get, I get through almost right away, which is awesome. And, they're ni- and the lady that I talked to is nice enough. And she explains to me, yeah, um, they're, they're, it's the, the phone's actually backordered. And I'm like, well, that's a pre-owned phone. So how can it be backordered? She's like, well, yeah, well, we didn't have any in stock. I see. So you still had it on the site. It's like, well, yes. Okay, so how long is it backordered? Uh, I'm not sure, but if you, um, you know, if you wait a little bit and you get tired of waiting, you can always have us cancel it and then you can try to get it in the store. And I go, and I, I decided to leave it at that. And I say, okay, fine, I'll, I'll, let me see what happens. But at the same time, I'm like, you're not going to get a pre-owned in the store. You'll get a new one in the store. And if you get a new one in the store, you also get to pay the money down, which defeats the whole point of what I just did. Right. Phones are really expensive now. So having to pay... Because I think it's like $425 down and then another $33 a month for 24 months. Which is ridiculous. Yeah, but that's where we're at now. Like these phones are like $2,000 if you buy them outright. So that's where we're at. So I'm like, all right, fine, whatever. I'll give it a couple more days and see what happens. So I give it a couple more days and around and Thursday I call in again and I'm like, okay, so the last person told me it was backordered. Fine. Can you give me a ballpark? What does backordered mean for you guys? So the other one is like looks into it and it's like, okay, fine. And it's like, well, maybe like two or three weeks. And I'm like, I see. Okay, let me figure out what I want to do. Do me a favor, cancel the order and let me figure it out. Now, what I decided to do at that time is the the one I ordered was the Max, which is like a 6.5 inch screen. So I thought, oh, this would be kind of cool, you know, for media consumption and whatever. And I'm like, oh, that could be kind of neat. But then I see they also have the XS, which is the regular size version of it. The screen size is the same as my current Android phone. So I'm like, okay, cool. You know, that's fine. That's not a big deal. 
yeah, it's fine. So I'm like, okay, great. Can I get the XS? Because it's on your website right now as I'm talking to you. And she's like, oh. So she goes and tries to check. And it's like, um, I can't find it. I go, it's on your website. It's the iPhone XS. And I spell it out. X-Ray Sam. Oh, okay. I found it. Um, we don't have those in stock. I go, so you don't have them in stock, but it still shows that I could try to place that order right now on your website? And they're like, yeah. And it's like, I see. Oh, Fido. Yeah. So I'm like, can you just cancel the thing? And she's like, yes. So they so they cancel it for me, and then I'm like, all right, screw this. All right, to eBay. So I go and so I go and fire up eBay, and I'm like, all right, pre-owned, refurbished, whatever. Some somebody in Markham. I'm like, order please, thank you. So I got the tracking information, and I should have it by Monday. So I'll report back my findings on my new phone. Please do. You know, and I and generally speaking, I have really good things to say about Fido, but lately they've been, yeah, like I was working with, I'm on Fido as well. And yeah, yeah. and I I've been u- well was using the extra hour of data that you get you know you get the, like the five hours of extra data like unlimited data yeah you click the you click a button and then you get unlimited um, usage during that time period correct and I needed that because for ten days I was supposed to I was still working for most of that time but I was technically homeless uh, right as we we're in between houses so we were at Megan's cottage mm-hmm. and they don't have internet there. It's fine. I can use the extra hour. I can, you know, I can kind of flub it enough that I can get enough done for work, uh, you know, until I can be on as much as I need to. Right. And then all of a sudden the extra hour data disappears. Like it's not, the button's not there and the button's still. Well, you can only do it once a day. I, oh, hold on. So I was like, it's within a 24 hour period. After 24 hours, but yes. Yeah. So, okay. Wait, no. Okay. And, and they, but then all this other thing is Megan's never used it. So I was like, all right, yeah. well, I'll just go in her app and I can use hers, right? Because we both yep. are with Fido. We both have the same plan. So that's mm-hmm. theoretically 10 hours of data that I can use. Okay. You know, just alternate back and forth as much as it, you know need be. Anyway, no, there's some kind of issue with that, the thing and the, you can't do that anymore for right now. And we, we planned it'll probably be fixed in like a month or a month and a half. When was this? This was just a little while ago, this right? This was a April. Oh, in April. Okay. And, and so I'm like, okay. Uh, well, I have an issue. And they're like, well, we can give you three extra gigabytes a month for three months. Okay, I'll take that, I guess. Mm -hmm. But it's, you know, but at the same time, it's like, it's still not as good as having unlimited data for an hour, depending on what you're trying to do, especially Mm -hmm. if you're trying to watch video, you know, like anything video related for work. Yeah. But the point is, I was like, Fido, you're, and now your story, I'm like, Fido, you're kind of dropping the ball. Well, in fairness, like one thing I'll say, and this isn't giving them any kind of a cop out, but let's just be fair about this. Being in Canada, let's make this clear. We have a real lack of real competition here in the cell phone space. Because at the end of the day, Fido is owned by Rogers. And Rogers would rather you actually have your cell phone service with Rogers where they can charge you more. Now, they have, quote-unquote, infinity plans, which are, quote-unquote, unlimited, which means they'll give you 10 gigabytes. But then after 10 gigabytes, they'll throttle you down in terms of speed. But it is unlimited. They'll give you, quote-unquote, unlimited, because they've tried to... I give that as an advertising thing to compete with the U.S. ones, which have unlimited. But at the same time, there's real no competition because Bell is offering virtually the same thing. Telus is offering virtually the same thing. And they continue to argue, oh, we're competing. Really? You're competing even though your prices are almost identical, like almost within dollars of each other and for pretty much the same amount of offerings. No matter who I go with, I'm basically paying the same. No, we're getting hosed. And when it comes yes. to telecommunications in Canada. Correct. So it tells you something that I reached a point of annoyance where I was like, all right, I'm going to. And by the way, just to finish off my story, um, the $33 thing was 
kind of my way of taking advantage of the fact that I was saving some money from some other things I cut back. So I've actually kept my data back. So I'm going to save about $20 a month on that. Great. And then I, I canceled Netflix. So I'm saving $17. So I'm saving $37 a month. And the thing was going to cost me 33 So you do the math plus taxes. I, I figured, oh, actually, I'm, I'm out ahead a couple of bucks and I can get the new phone. But in the end result was I ended up buying it from a local seller. Fine, support local. But in the end, to buy it from a local seller, I'm paying for the phone. So I'm basically, I basically just went out and go like to, deal, to not have to deal with the nuisance anymore. I went and just bought the phone, mind you, pre-owned phone, but I'm paying $900 up front. And that's less than half of the original price of it. So I'm still getting a decent price and a good deal for a phone that I potentially could use for a couple of years. But that's bad. I'm in a position where I can do that. But if I'm somebody who can't do that and my phone's broken or something, if I didn't need to, I'm in a luxury position. This is not a necessity. But if I wasn't and I actually needed a phone because my other one's broken, I'm getting hosed because almost all the other phones that are any that are decent, I have to pay some kind of money down. And if I don't have the money down, I have to kind of accept like a second or third rate phone. Yeah, that's not cool, man. Which which kind of sucks. I like mean, I said, like you said, I, you're you're in a position where you can ha- you have other options, but some people. This would is not a be. this is a pure luxury, so I'm not downplaying for anybody else the options that are available. I, I literally have a smartphone that I already have that I could use for the next five years, and it would work perfectly fine. And I'm still going to have that phone because it's a second phone. I like technology so much that I enjoy playing with this stuff. And for me, it's fun. It's not, it's not a necessity. But if I was somebody who didn't have a phone or my other phone got shattered or something, I'd be so screwed. And I'd be so angry if that, that kind of service. Yeah. So that's just kind of a thing. You know, that was, I, I, I got a kick out of it because I said, I'm in a position where this is a minor inconvenience for me. So I don't want to overplay this. But I just kind of made me, it made me roll my eyes where I'm like, come on, guys, get it together. At the bare minimum, I would have been okay if they had sent me an email within a day or two saying, actually, unfortunately, we're out of stock. But they, but I had to go and call them. Yeah, I mean, that's professional and that would have been fine. At the bare minimum, tell me, you know, you don't have it, you don't have it, no problem. At least let me know. This, that goes above and beyond the actual, you know, circumstances. It's like, no, just tell me, you don't have it, fine. Yeah. You no, know, offer me an alternative option at the very, at the very least. Don't make me call you twice to have to get the answers to the questions you should just provide me. Yeah, exactly. Now, I do have a second story for you. This one's a little bit of a happier tale. But again, supporting local business, why not? Of course. So we've got over in Toronto, Amsterdam Brewery, uh, who does some good beers that I enjoy. And um, I, uh, this is one of the few times that I can say Facebook ads actually gave me something useful for once. Because I barely go on Facebook. To be honest with you, it's a cesspool. I don't even bother with it most of the time. But um, I went on Facebook, and I was scrolling through some garbage because there's a lot of junk. Everybody's kind of posting memes and like you know pictures and stuff. And it's, it's the same crap over and over again. So I, at this point, I can scroll through without even looking at it. But I scrolled through and then I saw a thing where it said, you know, Amsterdam Brewery. And I was like, oh, I know those guys. I like their stuff. And it says, oh, we can deliver to your home. And I'm like, all right. But usually when they say deliver to your home, you mean GTA as in Toronto, Toronto proper. But I'm like, all right, let me look into it. So I click on it. And then they say, oh, we delivered all these postal codes. And I was like, all right, Mississauga, what? My postal code's on here? Yes. Beer delivery. So I'm getting excited, of course. Of course. So I go and look at. So I go and look into this thing, and I'm like, "All right." I set myself up a little cat. I go, let, "Let me give this a try," because I hadn't tried it, and I was curious how uh, how the service would be. So I so I can. I'm happy to report. Uh, very easy to sign up. Very easy to think because I am in the service area. They will, you know, give, uh, you know, deliver to. I was able to punch in my thing, get my order. If you if you buy over fifty dollars, which is basically a case, I was able to go buy a case of the beer that I wanted. It was like fifty six bucks, which. Don't get me started on the price of beer, but for that, I got 25 beers. So a case plus plus another can. All tall boys, good stuff. And then I got myself these sweet uh, glass glasses 
that are actually big enough to hold a pint in one glass, which is great. That's a pet peeve of mine, a glass that can't hold a pint. But these things can hold a full pint. Especially when it's actually called a pint glass, too. It's like, this is a pint exactly. glass, but it doesn't actually hold a pint. Exactly. And I showed to Dave earlier the glass. And this thing's heavy duty, by the way. This is like real glass. So I don't know if you can hear this. I can hear it. Yeah, that's glass, Dave. This is thick, heavy glass. Nice. And these glasses were like nine bucks. So I was like, okay, well, I'll buy a pair of those, sure. And then I'll buy the beer, great. And let's see what happens in terms of delivery. So I went and submitted my thing, got an email confirming Fido, got an email confirming Fido. So they confirmed my order. And then they sent me another email to confirm that my beer was out on delivery the very next day. And I got a text message from the delivery guy saying, hey, I'm on my way. I'm going to be delivering your thing soon. Take note, Fido. Take note. That's called customer service, Dave. And the thing is, it's not like a third party thing. It's somebody from the thing loads up uh, basically a, a truck full of the beer and then delivers it to the various places, obviously based on the area, they batch it, you know, that would make the most sense, but they go and actually deliver it. And I was uh, kind of busy at work. So I said, I asked my parents who are not far from me, they say, Hey, do you mind if I just have that delivered? And they go, yeah, no problem. So I got the text message almost immediately after I got a text message from my parents saying, Hey, your beer's here. And I'm like, so why did you Sweet. get it delivered there and not to your house? Because I was in the middle of meetings for most of that day. When they say they're going to deliver it the next day, I'm like, I can't even go to my door when I'm in the okay. middle of meetings. I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah. And I don't want it sitting outside because they, they would drop it off. But it's like, if it just sits in front of my door <laughs> where the sun goes. Free beer. Yeah, exactly. Like th not exactly what I want. It's a lot easier for them to just drop it off at my parents where the place is just shadowed anyway. But at the same time, my, my dad is literally downstairs in the garage all day. So literally when the guy comes up, he goes, I'll take that. Well, what a coincidence. He's also Carlos. So as far as uh, having the person with the name, it's it's pretty easy for him to accept delivery. Yeah, that is pretty. That is actually a solid benefit. Yeah, it's like it's very easy. I do the same thing sometimes when I before when I would need like mail pickup. And of course, the hours of my post office were literally when I was at work in Toronto and I can't physically get back before they close. So I would go and send Carlos over there. And they're like, yeah, are you Carlos Alcazar? Yes, I am. And he would go pick up my mail. Pretty solid. Unless your dad yeah. decides to go, but I'm Carlos Alcazar and it's addressed to me. Therefore, it is now mine. Oh, no. He tries that. He goes, oh, guys, wait, is this anything good? Is it, is it worth anything? And I'm like, no, old man. Give it to me. This is fair. Stop trying to steal from me. Get your own crap. Besides, the old man is the one who's going to be thrilled the next time that I upgrade my phone because usually he gets the hand-me-down. Nice. Yeah, so that guy gets enough free swag to cover several lifetimes. And I'm fairly confident that I could have put somebody through college with the amount of coffee that I bought this man. This is fair. Yeah. So I'm saying is that, you know, we, we, we got this situation covered. I've greased the palms where they needed to be greased. So I've got uh, it gives me a good secondary place to have something dropped off. Nine times out of ten, I will just have it delivered here. But I will say, overall, overall to close off this story... I was super satisfied with the service. I love that they text messaged me to let me know that it was on the way. I love that they actually sent off the emails to let me know when everything was going to happen and give me a general timeline. And then they delivered and the product's good. Yeah, you can't complain. You can't complain yeah. with that. When So when you can actually support local and they actually go the extra mile to actually deliver service, then it's good to call them out. So Amsterdam Brewery, good job by you. All right, Carlos. Tell me what you want to tell me about Tops 2020. Project 2020, but yes. I can tell you about Tops 2020. Boba Dave. Boba But Project 2020, that's where we get into Fuji. Anyway, so this past week, uh, Project 2020, I'm not going to go into the whole explanation of that again. I want to keep it short and sweet here. Uh, but there's a couple of things that I did want to talk about because I enjoyed them. One of the big things that came up about when I was talking about it last week was that the Ken Griffey Jr. by Shore was kind of the big turning point of the whole thing. Because having 99,000 copies of one card was going to do one of two things to the market. 
it was either going to indicate that the uh, demand is so incredible that, you know, we're going to see increasingly high print runs as people in their insatiable greed try to uh, get more and more and more to try to have more and more to sell and do all that and the pre-ordering culture and all this. So from an economic standpoint, I was fascinated with what was going to happen next. But I had that question. I go, well, it could go the other way, too. It could scare off a lot of the speculators and go, holy crap, there's no way we can dump 99,000 of these things. We're going to have to take a loss. And that would make them more gun shy to like uh, push forward after that. And the immediate aftermath, we saw a bunch of the print runs start to drop off, which is which was understandable. You know, the immediate reaction was like, holy crap, you know, like when you when you touch something that's hot and you get burned, you know, your your hand immediately jets off. You don't want to touch it again right away. But the interesting thing that was going to be the real test also happened that week. Now, last week, of course, was weird for a couple of different reasons. Some of it we'll touch on and some of it we won't. Obviously, as you may be well aware, Tuesday was the day that a lot of social media outlets had the little black box. You know what I'm talking about. Yes. Well, Tops is no exception. So on Tuesday, they actually didn't uh, didn't post any any more cards. So what they actually did is they took the cards from Monday and extended them an additional day. So those cards actually got 72 hours instead of 48. And we got uh, four releases instead of five, which carried through the rest of the week. But the reason that's interesting is it means that one of the cards actually had an extra 24 hours. And I was keeping an eye to see how those print runs were going to get affected because that one had an extra day. Plus, the big highlight for this week was going to be that our good friend Ben Baller, who uh, had some nice things to say about uh, his love of police officers. I'll leave it at that. I'm not going to go into that whole rabbit hole right now. But the point is, he had some controversial comments, but he's a well-known quantity as well. And then um, Blake Jameson, who's one of the other artists, collaborated on a Mike Trout card. Okay? So you've got one popular artist with a big following, another artist who's been really good about doing the social media rounds and promoting his art and doing all that. But you have these two collaborating, plus Mike Trout, you know, alleged good player. But you have all these things converging. So the question became, would this collaboration, plus the controversy, plus the attention, plus all of this, cause this Mike Trout to surpass the Griffey? Could it crack 100,000? Now, Tops did one more thing, which sweetened the pot even further and made it even more interesting. They, did, they ended up announcing that 10 of the cards that were going to get produced, regardless of how many were produced, 10 of them would also bear Mike Trout's signature. So Mike Trout would sign 10 of these cards that they would randomly send out to people. Nice. So the question became, would the collaboration, would the player, would the possibility of getting an autograph copy, plus the artist proofs that were randomly inserted, plus a one-of-one one that could be randomly inserted, so actually, the artist proof you have to buy separately, but the one of one could be randomly inserted. So you have a one of one. You have ten autographs. You have eleven cards that are a little bit more special. Would that drive the print run to one hundred thousand? That was the question. Which is a fair question. It is because now this is an indicator, kind of a barometer, of did you scare off so many speculators that now you can't do it, or was this just going to be the tip of the iceberg and it was going to go going forward? This was another tipping point, similar like to like the Griffey. Right. So now. The answer to that question, less than 75,000. Okay, so nowhere, I mean, close-ish, but yeah, that's it. You think it's because it's Mike Trout? Is that your theory here? No. The thing is that Mike Trout, Mike Trout, here's the thing. Despite my not liking Mike Trout or not believing in the uh, quote-unquote greatness of Mike Trout, you know, uh, his averageness, Mike Trout, I don't believe in that guy. And I, I say partially tongue-in-cheek, but like, I know he's a great player. But at the same time, like, I, I don't subscribe to the idea that he's the best. I don't subscribe to it. I don't believe it. And I'm going to need to see more, and we may not see more of this MLB season. We'll see what happens. So there's another year off yeah, Mike Trout's still not looking, quote-unquote Still not looking likely that we're going to get baseball this year. Yeah, and if we don't, by the way, that's another year off Mike Trout's quote-unquote Hall of Fame career. 
which will hurt his numbers, which we'll talk on another day. The point is, though, forget about that. I know Mike Trout's very popular. I know that. But the, but the combination of all these things, to not be able to crack 80,000 is significant because you also threw in all that extra. You also threw in the possibility because 10 people are going to get an autographed Mike Trout, which should be worth a couple of bucks, I would say. I would think For so. For 20 bucks, you could potentially get yourself a card worth a couple of hundred or maybe even $1,000 because it's only 10. Yeah, which would be awesome. And, that's, and that wasn't enough to get them over that hump. So now the question became, oh, crap, what does that mean about the future? issues because now has a lot of have they lost momentum because now one of the stories we'll talk about in a minute with the nba possibly coming back well now there's something else to draw attention away now one thing i'll tell you is that one of the follow-up series the one that just closed off this weekend was a willie mays card and a uh, george brett by uh by keith shore the same guy who did the ken griffey well both of those came in at barely over ten thousand. so they're really dropping off they are dropping off and the one right before that which came on the same uh batches the trout which was a sandy koufax which i picked up because i thought it was a cool looking card was at twenty one thousand five hundred. so the numbers are starting to drop down so now it's a possibility that we may be getting back into the core collectors now we may be getting away from the speculators and it may be down to like who actually wants the cards which means those numbers may be a lot smaller now again here's the question we've still got nearly 300 cards left now that these numbers are starting to come down does that mean that the secondary market rebounds? And if the secondary market rebounds and the prices start to go up again, then all of a sudden the speculators are like, wait a minute, everybody, go back in. Buy, buy, buy. And we go through this all over again and we do like this in waves. Yeah. So that's why I'm saying it's that's why I'm saying from a uh, from an economics nerd perspective, this is fascinating because we're watching supply and demand yo-yoing in real time over months. Wow, we'll see what happens, all right? It, it will be interesting. Yeah, so this is the this is the thing is that I genuinely don't know what's going to happen. The reality is I believe I like the set. But I also realize that it's a novelty. There's a lot of it, you know, uh, the whole bit on Fuji last week was me having a lot of fun with the whole Fuji thing. That was fun. And I don't know, I sent you, I believe, I, I sent you a picture of the George Brett. Did you see that? No. Yeah, so I sent that one to you on Facebook, but that's okay. What I'm going to do right now is let me send it to you. I want to show you this specific one because I got to chuckle out of this one for myself, just for a personal reason. Right. Let me show this one to you. And then I'll explain what it is that I'm seeing that I enjoyed. So you got the link there and take a look at it. Yeah. And this is one of the ones that was oh, just over Oh, yeah, sorry. Yes, your love of the mascot in the background. Dude, he's angry. Like, look, he's pissed. This is, no, this is actually a sweet card. I'm not going to lie. I like I, it, it's It's very funny. I like. Oh, I, I think it's very Who's the person peeking over the fence supposed to be? So there's speculation on this, Dave. This is why I say art is fun sometimes. So there's speculation. Uh, one of the ideas that they believe is that it is supposed to represent the umpire that George Brett charged in the Pintar game. Okay. So it's hard to say for sure, but it would kind of fit into the narrative because there's literally only one guy back there and he's just kind of creeping over the fence there. Just looking. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, I like the car, like the car, like if, you know, if you like this style of art, then, it's I, colorful. then I think you're going to like this card. Well, here's the thing though. I will say that the art itself is fun. Like this is very cartoonish. It's very fun. It's, it's silly. And like I said, I love the little mascot there who looks mighty pissed and he does bear a striking resemblance to the New York Mets mascot. Who's baseball head guy? Yes, yes, Mr. Matt. Yeah, but it's like, do, do the Royals also have a baseball head guy? Uh, maybe. Let's see. That's why. That's why I think that's kind of odd. Like, I'm like, are we getting confused here? <laughs> are we mixing up the two teams? I just think it's. I just think it's hilarious that he's back there being like upset, and he's got his bat, and it looks like I wouldn't want to mess with that guy because it looks like he's going to take it out on somebody. Yeah. So okay. So here's what they've done. So I was thinking, like, as I'm typing in the Royals mascot, trying to Google it, I'm like, I think it's a lion. Yeah. And they're going with a royal theme. And then, That's what I mean. And then, yeah. So here's the thing. Yes, it is lion. So I was correct in that, thankfully. But here's yeah. the other thing. Baseball guy on the card, 
he's wearing yeah. a crown. Well, the Royals yes. mascot actually has that crown. Yeah. So it's like a hybrid of the Royals mascot and Mr. Met. But the question is why? That's a good question. Yeah, like I'm genuinely, I'm curious if he just made a mistake or if it's just hilarious. But like I said, on top of it, like the dude just looks pissed, and it, that that part entertains me. Yes. No, it's that's one of those little that's one of those little Easter eggs here that I, I like. I said, if you take it in the spirit of fun, there is fun to be had here. But why wouldn't you take it in the spirit of the fun? I mean, this is why this this is awesome, and why I enjoy getting random you know messages from you about it. Yeah. So it's one of those things. Like some of these, like. Here's the thing, nobody, and uh, what I'm telling everybody, you don't have to buy any of this stuff. I'll include a link to the uh, to the 1975 George Brett by Keith Shore because it is a fun little card. You can check out the angry baseball head guy in the background and try to speculate on who the other creeper is on the other side with one eye. But the, um, like I said, it's art, it's silly, it's meant to be. I love that the borders retain the original design because that is a 1975 Topps baseball card. That's what the, that baseball card looks like. And George Brett's rookie was that year. I have a copy of the actual card. So it's a good representation, but then inside of it, obviously, you have the cartoon image from Keith Shore. Yeah. No, I think it's a solid card. And that's one of those things. Like, it just is what it is. It's meant to be silly. It's not meant to be taken too, too you know, it's meant to be taken lightly, just to enjoy, just have some fun. And at the end of the day, we'll kind of see how it plays out. Now, I will say one more thing before I get off this topic and then we move on. Um, did you hear at all about uh, what happened with the Sandy Koufax card? No. Okay. So this is the, this one I'll kind of share with you as well, but I'll give you a little story behind it because it was kind of interesting. So I'll give you the link for that one. And like I said, everybody, for in case this is not a visual medium, so you obviously can't see what I'm talking about, but I'm going to include links. No, is, this the, is this the one you bought? Or this no? one I bought, yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so this is card number 99, and I'll include I, links to both of these in the There's some children. interesting elements to this. There is. There is I there would is. not buy it, but I think there's some nice, interesting elements. I just think there's a lot going on there, and I think if you unpack it, but I think it's interesting. I think I think they went and he designed something that definitely stands out. That is for sure. And I like the original Kofax card, so I think even though this is busy, I thought it was fascinating. But let's think about one thing here, Dave. Let me ask you something. So you can see on this card you got barbed wire that's being broken. What do you think that's symbolic of? This is just a general question. What do you think? Uh, escape. Uh, I am guessing, based on what I know of Sandy Koufax, uh, that it has something to do with the Holocaust. No. So, but the the reason I asked you that question is because a lot of people were assuming that. And the the artist, Tyson Beck, is Australian. Okay? Okay. So he created this card, and a lot of people interpreted it that way. because you. But now, if you look at it, Sandy Koufax's head is breaking through the barbed wire. And a lot of people assume, well, Sandy Koufax was Jewish. So they're assuming, okay, Holocaust, you know... Uh, the barbed wire represents that and, you know, him breaking free from that or something, something like that. Yeah, which, okay? which would be what I would, if you, you know, if you wanted the whole story for me, that's what I would tell you. If I'm guessing, yeah, right? Absolutely. Well, Tyson Becky goes, no, it was just that the original card was horizontal and I made it vertical and it was breaking past the, you know, the original paradigm of the card. And he goes, we, we did, they didn't teach anything about that because, and then some people explained to him the potential co connection where people could interpret that as the Holocaust. And he goes, and his response in a forum was, um, well, they didn't teach us anything about the Holocaust in school. So I didn't really know about it until you just mentioned it. That's interesting. That is actually a, it right is. because, you know, it's, it's one of those weird, weird things that happens in, in life where, you know, this guy has no idea about it, but I would imagine most people, if you look at this card and you know that Sandy Koufax is Jewish, you know, and you know about the Holocaust, that's a natural link you would probably make. Yeah, that the imagery invokes a certain thought in some people. Now, that's not necessarily a good or bad thing. It's it's what it art is whatever it invokes for you. It is what it is to you. Like I said, it's really busy. I just thought it looked visually interesting. That's why I like this card. That's why I ended up picking it up. And ironically, I picked it up paired with the uh, Jackie Robinson. Nice. 
So it's like, I, I thought as a pair, they were kind of cool. I thought, oh, no, I'll definitely, I'll pick that up with the Jackie Robinson. I think that's kind of cool. I don't blame anybody for interpreting it that way. I just thought it was really interesting. And that's why I say like this Project 2020 thing, I may make it a segment on this show because frankly, every week there's something else. And you can, you can pick it apart for a couple of minutes and just look at it and go, well, what is this? That's why I wanted to ask you that question, sight unseen. Like you got to look a chance to look at it. And I wanted to, what do you see when you look at this? And your reaction was a genuine one and a, and a fair one. Yeah. But I think, and you it, know what? I think as long as this is going on, we should do a small segment on Project 2020 because it's interesting. Yeah. I, it's one of those things where I played around and I think on my own YouTube channel, I'm going to discuss this a little bit more because I'm finding every week there's something else and the ebbs and flows of the whole thing fascinate me, but that's because it's something like this has become almost like a sport for me at this point watching. And I'm considering buying more of them and I bought some more of them, obviously, as I mentioned to you, but it's one of those things that it's tough. I will say that this is where being Canadian, we're getting hosed real bad here because the Americans do get free shipping. And I hate the fact that I have to pay $10 shipping and I can't like stack these because I bought two sets in the same week and I had to pay shipping twice, which blows. Yeah. That oh for God. Yeah, it's like it's one of those things where I'm like, guys, it already cost me more money because of exchange rate. And it's like if I could be like, well, if I buy them in the same week, even if they don't overlap the 48 hours, could you guys give me a break on the damn shipping? You yeah. know, ship them together. I can wait a little extra time to ship them together and then, you know, give me a little bit of break on shipping. Yeah. We'll see down the road though, Dave. If you ever find any of these that you like, we can we can always talk and go like halvesies on the shipping. It'll it'll be nice. Yeah, maybe. We'll see. We don't hey listen, there's still more Fuji coming. So Dave. Just saying, there's more Fuji coming. I'm hey, and you know what? I am always ready for more Fuji. Always ready for. More. Oh, and there will be more Fuji. You wait until next week, Dave. You wait. I will. You know what? Hey, I'm already looking. For, screw the rest of this podcast. Let's just move on to next week. <laughs> I'd be okay with that because <laughs> the rest of these topics don't interest me nearly as much. Anyway, that's it for Project 2020 this week. I'll talk about it more next week. We'll we'll see whatever happens. Maybe Fuji will come out, and then we can have a good chuckle, a good laugh, and Dave can give us his artistic interpretation of the stylings of Fuji. Yes. That's something to look forward to. All right. So let's talk about let's go NBA. Dave's let's, favorite. No, let's go NBA first. Let's end with the other one. I would rather end with the NBA because it'll be more positive even though you hate it. All right. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Like, I, I think we can agree that I really kind of want to get this one over with because I have some thoughts, but it's like I kind of want to get – this here is a story. It's legitimately a story. So we're going to talk about Drew Brees, everybody, the backup quarterback in the New Orleans Saints to Jameis Winston. But – you know, he made some comments that it could threaten a lot of things and make sure that Jameis Winston is the undisputed quarterback in New Orleans. We'll see. All right, I'll, I'll outline it real quick, and then you can. I want you to insert your thoughts. As a New Orleans Saints fan, you know, feel free to justify Drew Brees however you want. Anyway, so Drew Brees was asked by our good friends at Yahoo Finance, the incredible, intrepid reporters they are, on an interview about franchisee. Correct. I'll explain the context. I'm not going to go through the whole interview and everything, but I'll give you the basic premise, and then I'll, we'll explain why this was stupid that it even became a thing. The Jubilees was basically asked about the potential impact or how he would feel or the team would deal with, or the NFL itself would deal with uh, the potential of more players protesting similar to Colin Kaepernick four years ago with taking the knee. Now, this is one of those situations like in a movie or in a TV show where it's like, pause. Moments from now is where Drew Brees will realize he fucked up. Now he didn't realize it, which is part of the problem. But if we had stopped it right there, it's like, there's two ways to go about this. There is the intelligent way, and there is what Drew Brees is about to do. So what he does is he immediately runs into the rhetoric about, well, you know, I will never support anyone, you know, ne you know, disrespecting the flag and the anthem and blah, 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 which I don't think at this point any intelligent person hasn't already figured out that it has nothing to do with the flag, nothing to do with the anthem. I have my own thoughts about flags and anthems in general, regardless of what country we're talking about. That's a different conversation. 
But regardless, it has nothing to do with that, blah, 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 irrelevant. And then he invokes, you know, his grandparents who fought in World War II. And it's like, first of all, I don't care about Drew Brees' grandfathers. They're irrelevant. Period. End of story. His feelings on the flag and the anthem, good. Good to know. Has nothing to do with the question. And in addition to that, honestly, my big issue, and I'll, I'll give my issues first, my issue goes beyond the the way that this obviously became a firestorm. My issue goes to the fact that Drew Brees, at this point, almost in his 40s. He's in his 40s. He's 41. Okay, so he's 41. Already being an NFL quarterback for years and years and years. This isn't his first rodeo. It isn't his first interview. Basic common sense would tell you, read the room. This could go a million bad ways. The correct answer, and I'm going to give everybody the correct answer right now. The correct answer that Drew Brees could have given here would have been like, well, man, that's a tough one. Uh, that's something we definitely have to talk about with the team together to figure out, you know, what message they want to get across, what what they need, what they feel they need to protest or say, and how we as a team can support and figure out something that we can do that we won't get our messages confused, that we'll all be on the same page on. Right there, I just gave you a very simple answer that was a non-committal answer. It was a glorified no answer and kick the can down the road when he'd have to deal with it eventually. Simple and to the point. Yes. Fair enough. And there's no follow-up. I promise you, the Yahoo Finance, you know, intrepid reporters don't have much to follow up on that because you gave them nothing, nothing to grab onto. Run away, do a matador ole, get away from this thing, kick it down the road, and don't commit to anything. But instead, he went the anthem and nationalism route. Good for him. And now, and then he got an immediate firestorm. What happened immediately after that, Dave? Uh, it everything exploded he got slagged by lebron james he got slagged by uh, malcolm jenkins who is going to be on his team he got you know michael Thomas and was, was on his team he before team. malcolm jenkins was sure. on the super bowl winning team with the saints yeah so he pissed off a lot of people for god's sake dave you know you know when you know you fucked up do you know when you know you actually fucked up when carlos you know you fucked up when booger mcfarlane is making valid points that you fucked up that's fair and i saw that clip too and you know my feelings on booger mcfarlane i am not a fan of his at that point at that point, you cancel yourself. Booker McFarland just owned you. Booker McFarland didn't say something generic that was obvious. Well, he did, but he said it in a way where it's like, I can't argue with Booker McFarland. Booker McFarland is right. Do you have any idea how dirty that makes me feel that Booker McFarland is right? I, no, I don't. I don't really want to know, actually, but, I, but fair enough. This man is not right about anything, Dave. And this is the one time, and it is Drew Brees' fault. And for that, I can never forgive him, no matter what he says or does. Oh, you know what? I mean, that's an interesting take on where you end up with that, but uh, fair enough. Dave, we ended up in a world where Booker McFarlane was right about a thing. I'm not sure that's the world I want to live in, and yet here we are. Well, I mean, I think lots of things are not the world we want to live in right now. This is the darkest timeline, Dave. Oh, gosh. It is the darkest timeline. May I add my two cents, Carlos? I was hoping you'd eventually get to it, but you dropped the ball on the LeBron James thing. Let's move on. Well, so what happened? Well, I mean, so many things that people said. So, I mean, here's the thing, right? Go there ahead. have been protests before. Uh, there have been numerous unarmed black men that have been killed by police and, and, and black yep. citizens that have been killed by police. And mm -hmm. protests have happened before. And the systemic racism that exists is still prevalent. And this feels different. Right. Like what happened to George Floyd and the protests that are happening. And it feels like more people are listening and, and something is going to come out of this, hopefully positive. Right. In terms of a real change. I think Drew Brees basically said to everybody without saying everybody, I'm white and I didn't realize my privilege. And he like most people, like regardless of where you stand on an issue, I think this is a time where if you're white, you just shut up. And you listen to what, what people of color have to say. And you hear it. And and Drew Brees took it back. And to be fair to Drew Brees, 
This is exactly the same thing he said back when Kaepernick was in the league and kneeling. Right? So mm-hmm. he's, he, had, he hasn't said anything different. His opinion on that has not changed. But I think what really probably got to him and, and, and got to me was the Malcolm Jenkins videos where he is he's talking about it and he's, he's crying. And, mm-hmm. you know, this is someone who's, who's you know, been in the trenches with Brees because they've won a Super Bowl together. And, mm-hmm. and it's like how quickly I'm thinking, like, should I take my Drew Brees stuff down? Because I have some I have figurine of Drew Brees. I have an autograph of Drew Brees. I got a Brees jersey. Do I have to take the name off the back? Although I'm pretty yep. sure if you have a Saints number nine jersey with, a, with or without a name, people are going to know it's Drew Brees. Because um, it made me feel a lot of things, mm-hmm. none of which I really liked. And uh-huh. then he apologized for it. And, and, and here's the thing, right? And I think a lot of people felt this way is I was like, yeah, like I get like, okay, you're sorry. You know, and obviously he, ne- he has never said, I don't actually feel that way. But yes. he said, you know, in the context of things, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm like, I don't know. I, I don't know how I feel about your apology. Like, I don't think I like, obviously, I accept that you're sorry and, and that you could cause a shitstorm, uh, you know, and that you don't want to be viewed that way. But I don't I don't really like I still don't feel about you. I feel differently. But then the president was like, you should never have apologized. Uh, and then mm-hmm. and then Drew Brees put another post out like a second apology and was like, basically echoing those things. This was never about the flag, da, 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 which is surprising to hear him say that, because my part of it is like, why couldn't he have had that conversation with his teammates or somebody back then? But okay. It's only been four years, Dave. Well, Come on. That's hardly enough. You time. know what I mean? But I'm, I said, you know, I texted my brother and I'm like, we're fucking done. Like this, this season's done. Um, you know, you had people in New Orleans who are at Black Lives Matter protest chanting, fuck you, Drew Brees. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> like, like, as you said earlier, despite the lack of peer situation, Drew Brees has done a lot for the city of New Orleans in, in a lot of different ways. And, you know, obviously he's done himself quite a bit of damage. Although it seems to be now that I feel like the team will probably bond over this, come together over this and his apologies and may actually be stronger for it as a whole. Mm-hmm. So we'll see where that goes. But it's just now it's, you know, he had all it's like, but here's part of the problem with society, right? I think is reading, reading the comments, some of on his Instagram, on his Twitter or whatever, when he says a thing. People are like, yeah, stand up for it, except, you know, and then most black people are like, I can't believe you did that, the hurt, et cetera. And then Trump says what he's going to say, and Drew Brees responds to that. And now it's like a lot of people, you know, especially his teammates and, and other, I'm going to maybe, well, I shouldn't assume, but probably people who are African-American Saints fans are like, you know, I'm with you now. Like now that you've done this like second apology and spoken to the president, like I get where you, that you're really serious about this. And then there's all these people, you know, white people who are like systemic racism doesn't exist. Yes, it does. I can't believe you're disrespecting the flag. Drew Brees is not, didn't do anything. To dis- like now you're changing it again. And it's just like, I don't know when this is going to go away in terms of the Drew Brees part, because the larger societal issue isn't going to go away anytime soon. But here's what I think. And I don't know if you've seen the video or not. Mm-hmm. The NFL players who have put out the, the there was a bunch of them, all African-American NFL players talking about what they want from the NFL. We want you to acknowledge systemic racism exists. We want you to, uh, you know, say that you should have let us protest in a different way. I think you're going to see some crazy protests in the NFL, and you're going to see a lot more NFL players speaking out, unlike they were before. We'll see, because obviously the NFL season is still several months away, mm-hmm. uh, and and you know where the where the momentum from this comes and goes. I don't know, but I I really think that you're going to see a lot more from 
especially, you know, black players in the league. But I think you're going to see a lot more from players as a whole because there were people who didn't kneel and didn't support the kneeling part of the protest uh, that had been piling on Drew Brees too, right? Aaron Rodgers being, being an example of that. So we'll see. Uh, but honestly, as I said, just shut up, Drew Reese. Like that's so you know what you gave the answer he should have given, or something you know along those lines. You you got to have better awareness, but the but hopefully now he's just gonna shut up and listen because that's what he needs to do, as do so much so many of us. Mm-hmm. And right. that's that's what I got. Okay, so uh, now um, I, I was gonna kind of let it go with that, but uh, I got a couple of retorts, so some of that. Okay, first of all, Drew Brees has learned nothing. He's full of shit. Just full stop. The, no, the quote why, unquote, why, do you th- why do you think that? Because you don't fundamentally change overnight. After talking with my teammates and blah, 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 your point was, well, Malcolm Jenkins cried. So that changed Drew Brees' I didn't, heart. I didn't no, say that changed his heart. I said that's, that's something that really affected me. Good. Great. Good for you. So Drew Brees doesn't care about that shit, but he knows that he just got smoked. And afterwards, somebody read the room for him and go, you idiot. You just went directly into a buzzsaw. Back that shit up. Now the pres- the thing with Don- again the thing where he posted to Donald Trump, you know what the cool part about that is? It's irrelevant. It makes no difference. It's not actually that brave. You know why? Donald Trump can get mad at him as much as he wants. He's not actually going to take a real pot shot at a Drew Brees because Drew Brees can say whatever he wants publicly. He's still an arch conservative. He's still a re- he's still a guy who backs Republicans. He's still a guy who's taken pictures of Donald Trump for years. This isn't new. He was doing that not long ago. So cool. the cool part is we're in a stage where now, as long as you eventually say the right thing, and to your point, yes, the team may accept his apology. It may galvanize him and do it because the New Orleans Saints players, like everybody else, are weak. The second you show, oh, I'm apologizing. Yeah, great for you. You've had four years to figure this one out. This isn't new. This isn't hard. This is easy. And to be honest, again, the reason why I took the angle I did where I was more annoyed that Booker McFarlane was right is because I don't take anything of this seriously in the sense that I don't care what Dubris says, good, bad, or indifferent. However, my problem as a person who potentially would be under New Orleans, if I was in New Orleans Saints, my concern isn't even that he said that. There's a good chance he's a closet racist, and he's always been, and he always will be. But his apology doesn't wipe away the fact that you screwed up that badly in the first place when this was an easy one to avoid. I question your judgment. I don't actually care what you said. I question the fact that you were too stupid to realize you shouldn't have said anything. And then you had to backtrack to that. Now, the good news for Debris is as far as a damage control perspective it is, go, taking on Trump in that regard is easy. She doesn't really have to do anything. He did what he did. Great. You posted that video, and now you can cite that and cite his charitable works, and awesome. Oh, Drew Brees is a good guy again. Awesome. Good for you. The the Trump, Donald Trump people that are going to get mad at him now are irrelevant. Oh, well, now I'm not a fan of yours anymore. Cool person in Nevada. Cool person in South Texas. As long as they're happy with me in New Orleans and they're not and they're not screaming my name in anger anymore, that's where I need to be happy for another year or two before I go work in TV. So as long as majority of people are happy, I get to keep my TV deal and I can keep playing football. I'm good to go. So the fact is, I don't think Drew Brees changed anything. I'm happy for him that he found that he found a better PR firm. Good for him. That's all that happened. And as far as the players concerned, like if I was one of the players, like I'd be like, okay, look, you said one thing, and then immediately, as soon as you took heat, you immediately did a 180. Like, as fast as you could possibly do a 180. Well, good for you. If I was one of the players, I'd be like, look, man, I got bills to pay. I got a job to do. But you're basically a non-person to me. I'm only going to do what I need to do in order to basically deal with you at the bare minimum. You're a coworker. You're not my brother. You're not my friend. You're not an ally, quote unquote. You're just a dude that plays football here that throws the football. My job is to catch the football. I'll catch it. My job is to block for you. I'll block for you. I will do my job. That's it. But like I said, the you know football players tend to be really easy to win over with crap like that. 
Wow. Those are some harsh words, Carlos. Listen, the whole thing with this, the reason why I've completely avoided talking about 99% of this is that I don't care how much righteous indignation you all have. I don't believe in your staying power. Your beginning, one of your beginning statements is like, this time is different. No, it's not. Wait until we see the same thing in two years, in three years, and in five years, and in 10, and in 20, and in 25, and in 50, and we'll be dead. And in 150 years, when it's the same crap, nothing has changed. You know why? You don't have the staying power, and you collectively don't have the guts. Uh, I hope you're wrong, Carlos. I have been wrong for approximately since the 1600s in the United States and the rest of the world for billions of years. But there's always the first time for everything. Congratulations. You hold out for that. I'll go with the percentages. Well, that's why you bet on sports and I don't. Yeah. The, like, let's put it this way. The chances of me losing on this one are very, very small. And I got a long leeway because I've got till the end of time. All right. Now, the, let's, can we move on and talk about the, something positive now? Oh, we will in a second. But I'm going to go at one more thing here. The, the other thing that I think struck me as pertains to that and where I think it is going to be interesting is going to be then um, I'm interested in Sean Payton's reaction to it. Because I think, I think my thoughts is that he's going to try to figure out a way to make it work. But being that Drew Brees is in his 40s, this could be an interesting situation. Because whether I'm right or I'm wrong, Drew Brees is in a tenuous situation because I believe that last year his injury helped him down the stretch. I think it gave him extension. If he comes out of the gate struggling this year, wait to see what happens if they have to pull him for Jameis, which could happen. Well, yeah, that's true. So the question is, if he has any kind of a drop-off in performance, do they have a short hook, given that this will still be in the back of some people's minds by the time football is played? Yeah, I don't know. Um, Because I agree with you on the point that him being off for five games helped, right? And kept him fresher at the tail end of the season. Right. Correct. Uh, it, it, you know, it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, but I know, I know this, and I will tell you that in ter- on the non-football thing, Sean Payton has been on sort of the opposite side of Drew Brees' original comments. Uh, sure. You know, so we'll see. But I think Sean Payton's smart enough to know. Like I said, I don't know any of these guys personally. My thing is, I can only judge you by your track record, and a lot of people try to use uh, Drew Brees' charity as an indicator of his track record where I'm like, okay, some of the most kind of, I guess, let me put an analogy for you. Here's my question. Let's say your family is less fortunate and I don't, and I basically pay for your, and I pay for George to go through college and do all this and then make sure that, you know, you buy, you get a new house and all this stuff. But the reason I'm doing that is because I had you work for me and I put you in a situation where you basically got radiation poisoning and died so I paid off the rest of your bills for your family for the rest of time. Am I a good guy or a bad guy, Dave? Well, you're a bad guy in general, Carlos. <laughs> Takes one to know one, Dave. Drew Brees and I are at the meetings. No. Evil people, Co. Yeah. I don't I fair enough. I mean, your point is well taken. So we shall To me, you cannot buy your way. Like I said, I don't pretend to be moral in any way, shape, or form, and I don't sell that to anybody. I don't but I don't believe someone but is able to buy their way out of it. I don't care how much money you donated to anything. That's cool for you, and that's cool for them, and I'm happy for the people that receive the money. But that, to me, that is no reflection on your character whatsoever. I don't care. You could give billions of dollars. I don't care. Well, I mean, and there are a lot of you know titans of industry that give money to charity and do horrible things with their actual business too, right? Yeah, like giving money is when you've already got lots of money. Giving money is the easiest thing in the world. Like it couldn't be easier. You've got lots. Yeah, you don't miss what you give. Correct. So that's why I say, like I said. It, believe it or not, I am not condemning Drew Brees as much as it sounds like I am. Even th- All I'm saying is that Drew Brees is what he is. Drew Brees is what I thought he was, and we're about to let him off the hook. I feel that's an appropriate way to end this conversation. There you go. 
So wait for it. And uh, there were a lot meaner things I could have said about Drew Brees that I said offline. Dave knows. This is true. Yeah. So I did hold myself back. And see, no credit, Dave. Like, I held myself back. There were much meaner jokes I had originally. Oh, I know. I'm just surprised you didn't talk about how this is all a, a ploy by Jameis, you know, that that Drew PR firm was actually like Jameis Plants. Listen, man, I would never be smirched the name of future GOAT, Jameis Winston. I, I still say, like, regardless of all anything football, I really hope that somehow he plays against Tom Brady and the Saints destroy Tampa Bay because that would just be amazing. That would just be a great story in sports, Dave. It would restore my faith in humanity. That would just be a beautiful moment. But I doubt it. So NBA, Carlos, you ready to hear what they have agreed to? I do. But before we get to the NBA, we're going to have a brief stop because Carlos needs to refill his beer. This is fair. This, be right this break is brought to you by Amsterdam Brewery. A few moments later. And let that be a lesson to you all. Delivered beer is the best beer. All right, Dave, tell me more about the NBA. All right. So the NBA actually has an official plan now. And it's more than just a plan, Carlos. It is going to happen theoretically on the 31st of July. So they went with the 22 team format, right, which I'll explain in a second. Uh, the play, sorry, the owners voted it in favor 29 to one. The Portland trailblazers were the only team that voted against it. Interestingly enough, cause that means some teams aren't playing any more games. Uh, I mean, that's a sources thing. That's not official. How many teams voted against it and the players union has approved it as well. So basically what's happening to make a long story shorter under this plan, you have 13 Western Conference teams and you have nine Eastern Conference teams. So all those teams are going to play eight regular season, quote unquote, seeding games. And then after those games are done, there will be a possible play in tournament for the eight seed, right? Which I'll explain in a second. All these games are going to take place at uh, Wild World Sports in Disney World in Florida. And then obviously when that's done, the top two 16 scenes on each side will play their games so so get this here and here's the other thing that's weird about it before we talk about those teams so that the washington is a team in that's going to join in in the east basically they picked an arbitrary number of six i don't know why uh mostly because i think it's the phoenix suns who are like six games out in the west they picked an arbitrary number of six said if you're within six games of the eighth seed you're in the re- what we're doing in Orlando. I think that comes down to the math of how many games were originally left. But more, they I wanted to was, give you like a mathematical probability. Fair enough. No one has actually yeah. said that from the league. So, <laughs> no. But I'm saying like logically. If that is the logic, then the, A, that's the first time I've heard that, which is unfortunate that no one from the actual league has said that. But B, that makes sense. So yeah. you've got New Orleans, but, Portland, San Antonio, Sacramento, and Phoenix in the West and Washington in the East. And if whenever all those eight games are finished, if the ninth seed is within four games of the eighth seed, they will play a two game playoff. And if the eighth yeah. seed wins the first game, it's done. The ninth seed would have to win both games and then they would become the eighth seed. If that makes sense. Yep. Now, okay. So that's, that's the plan. And then obviously that carries on basically from July 31st to October 12th. And then the draft lottery is going to be on the 25th of August, the NBA draft on October 15th. And then the new season, the 2020-2021 season, likely beginning around December 1st. So that's that makes sense. Yes? I got the gist of it originally, but yeah. Okay, so your summary, I think, is fair. Here's the issue. First of all, if you're if – you're, like, obviously, I think if you're a, seed, a team like Milwaukee, yep. who – I don't know if they – I don't know what their lead is. But the the likelihood that they were ever going to not get the first seed in the, in the East – was laughable, right? They were going to finish first in the East unless somehow everyone on the team died, in which case then they wouldn't even finish, but whatever. All right. 
but now you're not playing the schedule you would have played. So if you're somewhere like, let's say, you know, let's say you were Toronto, because that's who I root for, and your games were against, like, let's say, like Washington, Golden State. This isn't their actual Raptor schedule, but, you know, like crap teams like that. And that was how you were going to finish out the season. And now you've got to play Boston, Philadelphia, Indiana, Milwaukee, potentially twice each. How is that fair? Mm-hmm. So that's my point number one that I don't like. I get you. That That's a legitimate argument. But the thing is, at the same time, you're not going to have all 30 teams there. No, you're not. I get that. Yeah. I get that. But I, I mean, personally, I think they should have just said, all right, playoff start. Okay. But then you're back to the same problem. How is it fair for a team that is maybe one or two games out? And it's like, well, it would even if we had only two games remaining, like at least give us an outside shot. I feel that if Zion Williamson wasn't on the New Orleans Pelicans, somehow this would not be the format that they were taking. You know, if there wasn't some big star. I get your point, but Zion Williams, as much as he is a star, let me not argue that. I think he's a star. You know, he's a bigger star than Mike Trout. But the point <laughs> is that as big a star as that is, the reality is that that's not a good enough reason for him, for them to come up with a weird, funky format. I think they came up with a weird, funky format because they don't want crying from the teams that were borderline because there are enough teams that were at least close enough that are going to be like, don't you dare screw us this over because we're missing these regular season games and we had enough time to make up the difference. The fact that New Orleans falls under that, I'm sure the NBA isn't bothered. But that's why I think the number of games is, is relevant because I think they looked at what was potentially left and they said, okay, you're the only teams who have a legitimate shot. You were the only ones. So anybody beyond you, like we could have played out the real regular season and you still wouldn't have gotten there. At which point, then what's the point of having you in? Yeah, no fair. That's that's all, I, that's all I'm saying. Like the Golden States of the world have no reason to play a single additional game. And for them, like why would they want to play an additional game when it's like there is literally no benefit to us. We're going to play with no fans. No, and we're not going to make revenue. But here's the other thing. So they're going to get tested all the time, the players, right? Yeah, they're going to they're going to be sure. tested theoretically daily. Sure. Right? Yeah, and yeah. there's going to be some there's going to be some rules. I mean, they're allowed to from I've heard they're allowed to go play golf. Uh, I think they're allowed to go and like get takeout from a restaurant or something like that. But generally, they're supposed to be in the Disney bubble. But the other thing is, OK, so if a player tests positive, you're going to take that player out. Fair enough. And you're going to test right. the rest of the team. Fair enough. But I, I feel like there's it, this you're just going down like a, a rabbit hole of insanity with with this testing right you mm-hmm. know because if one player like what well, then because previously then you know one player tested positive or in a second player tested positive and you shut down the whole league which is fair i'm not going to argue that point but now it's like okay the team gets to still play like how are you going to feel if you're you know let's say you're the la clippers and you're playing the la lakers it's the playoffs and anthony davis tested positive okay so they're going to be like, do we want to play them? Well, now we got a better chance of beating them, but maybe everyone else still tests negative that day, but it is possible and has happened where you test negative one day, uh, you know, and the virus isn't developed enough. And then the next day you test positive where you could have made people sick. I just, I don't know. I think they're in for, I don't know. But then again, sorry, I know I'm rambling, but then again, it's working so far. It's working in Germany. Now they're, they're playing without fans as well. It's the soccer teams. They're doing regular tests. And there hasn't been any kind of big blow up about that. And they've played, I think, at least three, maybe four games in since the yeah. restart. So I, I don't know. I think just, I just, just kind of as a response to that. Hold on. Okay. Just as kind of a all response right. to that. I believe that if the plan also, and by the way, I don't have details on this, but I believe if the plan includes beginning the quarantine zone time a little bit in advance of the first game, and by a little bit, I mean a week or two in advance of the first game, you could be starting with a clean slate. Because the idea would be anybody inside the bubble 
needs to be confirmed negative prior to entering the bubble. And if you manage that, at the very least, you have a, a shot at a controlled environment. Fair. That would be your best Fair bet enough. to give yourself a buffer. I don't believe that's happening. I would be very surprised, though, if Adam Silver didn't start kicking around that idea because you want to have that buffer zone because that's your best shot no, to start I know off the only thing that I've, I've heard that they're expecting the teams to start training in Orlando somewhere around um, the 9th to the 11th of July. Yeah, but the first game is supposed to be like July 31st. Right, but, so but, but, but here's the problem, though. If a bunch of people fly in and start training, and, you know what yeah. I mean? Like you could, if you're not, as you said, if you're not confirmed negative before you enter the bubble, if you enter the bubble on July 9th and 11th and potentially are positive, then, you know, you could have wrecked havoc on on the bubble by July 31st. Sure. But that, the problem is that's the risk no matter what. If you do a restart, the Korean Baseball League had the same problem. The It's your point, Germany has the same potential problem. No matter what, even if you do the bubble thing, you have to be so strict. The, the, the time and Germany's not the doing the bubble stringent. thing either. Fair enough. But the time you need to be the most stringent is at the beginning. You need to make sure that you've got yourself as, as clean a bill of health as possible and close monitoring prior to the initiation of the first real games. Because if you've got two squads that are clean and two coaching staffs that are clean and everybody is right now, and now they've had enough time for the gestation period and you're within the clean bubble, could, could you still have something happen? Of course. Someone could come in that would wreck the whole thing. But at least within the confines of the people within that time, they've been inside the bubble long enough where at least like you're going to cross your fingers and hope for the best. Yeah. And I mean, we'll see because Florida is a state that's really reopening too. the theme parks open this week. Right. So I, I think I'm pretty sure it was Disney and universal uh, open this week as well. Right. So we'll see what happens with that too. Right. Their numbers aren't Dave, exactly. Dave, as you down. know, as you know, as you know, Florida is at the forefront of providing openings for valid sports and sports entertainment, WWE. Well, yeah, they're, I mean, they've clearly said, hey, money, we'll take it. Uh, public health be damned. It's Florida, Dave. It's just a bunch of old people. Who cares? Except that it isn't. If they were playing in Miami, then you can maybe make that argument, Carlos. But Is that is Miami the, the epicenter of more old people? I thought that was the epicenter of Pitbull. Well, it's both, actually. <laughs> All right, fair enough. So those are your main objections? Yeah, those are my main objections. I mean, we'll see what happens. I, I mean, I'd love it to go ahead and, and have no issues whatsoever. But when I first is like, the NBA is coming back. Woohoo! And now in reading the proposal, even though you have, you know, added teams and all that, I'm not, I don't know. I'm just not as excited about sports as I, as I was, you know, a month ago or even a week ago in terms of the prospect of them coming back. I mean, we'll see what happens. And then maybe I get back into it and I'm, and I'm right back where I was before the season ended. We'll see. But when you've been without, you know, live games for so long and you've been watching, you know, rerun content or documentaries or whatever, you know, once you get used to a new normal, I'm not one of those people who, oh my God, sports is everything to me. When I feel bad for those people who, you know, are missing that from their lives, obviously. Yeah, that's fair enough. Like the reality is enough time has gone by. Baseball is the one that I would miss the most. And um, they're still trying to get their own house in order. And that's a whole different problem. And they probably won't get their house in order this year. So realistically, there may be no uh, 2020 baseball season, which is really unfortunate. But maybe it just means I need to lean into Korean baseball more. And there's nothing wrong with that, Carlos. No, no, there isn't. But the thing is, like, being completely serious, I do a lot of tongue-in-cheek stuff on this uh, on this podcast and in life, and uh, I enjoy trolling life because it's what I do. But the thing is, um, I love baseball. It is my favorite sport. Major League Baseball is not baseball. It is a league within the world of baseball. I can live without Major League Baseball. 
I want to see baseball. I enjoy baseball. I will always enjoy baseball. But whether Major League Baseball is here or not, I don't care. At the end of the day, I really don't. There was a time in my life where I did. I'm at the point in my life where I got shit to do, man. I can keep myself busy. And to be honest, the longer this thing's been going on, the easier it is for me to keep myself busy. I can find amusement and enjoyment in the little things, Dave. I can enjoy beer delivery to my home. Yeah, that is. And that's all it takes to give me joy. <laughs> well, I mean, I think that gives a lot of people joy, to be fair. But yeah. But I'm saying, if you can find joy in the little things, then here's, I'm not saying, you know, sports should be gone forever. I'd like them to come back. But I'm saying, like, Dave, I get beer delivered to my fucking home. I am living good times right now. Now, the entire world is not living good times. I fully acknowledge that. I totally understand. These are not the best times. I already said this is the darkest timeline. But at least I get delivered beer to my home, Dave. At the very least, I have this one ray of sunshine in eternal darkness. Small victories, right, Carlos? I'll take it. But the point is that, um, yeah, and the thing is even, you know, getting back to the NBA issue. Um, and here's the thing. The NBA comes back. I'm probably going to watch a little bit, but I'm not that much more. I don't care that there's no other sports on. I'm not that much more interested in the NBA than I was before. I will watch some playoff NBA, but this play-in section with like these round-robin games or whatever it's going to be for seating and positioning and whatever, I really don't give a shit. I like, I really don't. Whatever. Get back to me when uh, friggin' LeBron is playing Kawhi in the Western Conference Final or whatever happens. That might be interesting to me. Uh, you know, Giannis playing. That'd be kind of cool. You know, the Raptors doing something. That'd be kind of neat. I'll watch a little bit of that. But basketball, admittedly, basketball is not my favorite. I enjoy the drama of basketball more than I enjoy the game itself. But that's not everybody, and I totally get that. And they always provide plenty of that. Correct. So, like, there'll still be something there, without question. And will I observe some of it? Absolutely. No question. But the... I struggle a lot, because let's look at our situation with the four major sports for a second. The NBA one, like, to your point, it's very convoluted. But it's convoluted because it has to be. And Adam Silver is as good a commissioner of a sport as any of them that they have. Okay? You got Roger Goodell, who generally does the wrong thing. And, you know, he did release a statement regarding kind of what we talked about earlier. But, and like I said, Roger Goodell generally does the wrong thing, but the NFL's got time to figure out their business. And I'm confident that they will do everything in their power to play games. They'll figure out something. Hell, they'll arrange a league-wide protest, if that's what it takes, to get the players on the field playing. They'll find something. They'll figure it out. But the... Um, but the NBA is trying to get going because obviously they're most of the way through the season. They want to finish. They want to get to the end here. Somehow they want to get to the conclusion. The NHL wants to get to the conclusion and they have a plan. But we're still weeks away from seeing if they can make that happen. And the problem we're at here is regardless of what we think about this plan from the NBA, the best case scenario is games start at the end of July. We have birthdays in July, Dave. Yes, we do. It's going to be hot, it's going to be hot as hell. And we're going to be looking past both of our birthdays before the possibility comes of game one of this restart. Correct. That's, I'm sorry, man. We're, start, we're, in the, we're in the beginning of June here. Like, <laughs> it's hard for me to like get excited or not get excited or do whatever or something that's basically two months away. Yeah, fair enough. Like, I got a lot of goddamn Project 2020. I got a lot of Fuji to talk about between now and then, Dave. A lot. I mean, there's a lot. lot a lot is going to happen between now and then. Correct. So as I said, speaking of small victories and speaking of small joys, psh, I got delivered beer and Fuji. Man, I'm good. Get back to me in August. Yeah, fair enough. But anyway, the, the other thing I'll say as well, though, jokes aside, is that um, I think the NBA did about as good a job as they could have, to be honest, given the convoluted nature of it, because the interests are so varied. The NBA needs to get some kind of a product on there for TV money. Like, they have, the mo they have as much to lose as, even, as almost the NFL. The NFL has the most to lose if they can't play games, obviously, because their TV deal is the biggest. Major League Baseball has a pretty good TV deal, but they're, they're on the verge of screwing the pooch on that. They're about to mess that up. Yeah, and, and, I, um, and I think they will. Yeah, like it's the Major League Baseball is hell bent on destroying itself. Like it seems hell bent on it. 
and it's for stupid reasons. At the end of the day, like, um, again, jokes aside, no matter how much I like to slag on the Mike Trouts of the world, he earned his damn contract, even if I don't agree with it. He shouldn't have to take a damn pay cut to give a billionaire owner money back when they are the ones that signed the contract in the first place. Screw you. So I don't blame the players for this and the nonsense of the back and forth. Just pick an amount of games because the problem is they can't even agree to an amount of games. Yes, this is true. So as far as planning, as far as scheduling, as far as where, as far as how, as far as what you're going to hub cities, what are you going to do? You can't even agree on the basic tenets, which is why I'm like, yeah, I the likelihood, if I was going to put it, 5% that we see a single Major League Baseball game this year. 5% at best. I agree. So good on the NBA for at least trying to get a product on there. And the players have bought in. They're willing to at least try it. That's good. Uh, the league's willing to try it. That's good. And uh, NHL's going to try it. That's good. And obviously football, I think in the fall, they'll give it their best shot again. Good. Good for them. But we'll kind of see how this all plays out because there's, there's still a lot of speculation between now and then. That's why it's kind of funny. One of the things we originally had on the list where you were talking about it a little bit, and I wasn't too keen on talking about it, and we're not going to talk about it too much today, is the, the Lance Armstrong documentary and the Roy Halladay documentary because it's like, well, here's the thing. I enjoyed it for what it was. The Last Dance was cool. The Seattle Mariners documentary was cool. I don't care about Lance Armstrong that much. The Roy Halladay story doesn't interest me that much. Like, I don't think we can get by on two months of documentaries here, Dave. Oh, huh, that's fair. Yeah, like it's like I think for the sports world, the struggle is going to be real. <laughs> We're going to see because now it's like even though you have a plan, you're so far away. What are you going to do in the meantime? That's what I'm curious about. Yeah, well, I, I don't know, and it's it's a question of whether people are going to turn into. I mean, I know you won't, but are are people going to start watching? I don't even know how many people are watching the Bundesliga now because it's basically the only thing on other than the Korean Baseball League. Oh, I'm sure. Like right now, just for sheer, you know, supply and demand, right? We're back to economics. Well, exactly. there's, there's, there's very little supply, and whatever demand's there, it's there. <laughs> Some people want to watch something, something that's live, something that's actually happening in real time. Well, exactly. Yeah, the, uh, that's pretty much it. You know, you sum it up in a nutshell. So that's fair enough. I get it. But at the end of the day, it's going to be interesting to see, and it's it's unfortunate that we, like, all we've got is just debating on the format. It's like. Well, does that seem like the best way? It's like, guys, you're going to have two months to debate this format. <laughs> you can propose a million counter formats, but I, I applaud the NBA for making up their damn mind because they that's what you need to do. You need to make up your mind, get the players to buy in, and be like, guys, it's its not going to be what we want, but let's just agree to something. And the players were like, yeah, fine. So they at least got that far. And the NHL I th was in the same boat. It's like, let's just make up something. And I will say, like I said, for all my criticisms, I will applaud both leagues for doing what the MLB can't realizing like, wait, that means in the summer, if MLB is going to keep bumbling this thing, we're going to get the audience Yeah, because at least we'll be playing. <laughs> it might not be what you expect to see as terms of presentation, but you know what? Playing something in a format that's watchable on TV is a hell of a lot better than arguing about a couple of percentage points and never getting a game off the ground this calendar year. That is a fair point. So that's a message. That's a shot across the bat of Major League Baseball. You guys are running out of time to get your shit together because whatever, even if you come up with an agreement, we are in June. Well, exactly, right? Like, holy crap, guys. I don't know if you've seen the calendar lately. July and August are not that far away, and normally that's when you get into the stretch drive. <laughs> We're about to pass the All-Star break, and you haven't even come up with a deal. We're going to get there soon. Yeah, it's so true. But anyway, fair enough. So that's, uh, you know, my opinion on it really is just kind of playing off of yours. I'm, I'm not going to be too excited about it, but I'll definitely watch a little bit. It's going to be on. Unfortunately for those leagues, they better hope for their sake that there aren't more people like me that can find something else to do. Yeah, because it's like, will you go back to it, right? And there's some that I will. And other ones, it's like, yeah, whatever, guys. 
you, you figure it out. Take as much time as you need. And and that's what they should be worried about. They, they should be terrified. Exactly. All righty. I think we've driven that one into the ground. I think we have too. Good stuff. So I think that'll be it for this week. Um, we'll have more to talk about next week. Obviously, you know, more Project 2020. We'll talk more Fuji, maybe. I don't know. It depends. It's up to tops to figure out what they're going to release, and we'll, we'll figure it out from there. In terms of the actual podcast itself, you can check us out on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. There usually is an archive version of it. Unfortunately, the automated version has gone down, so I have to go and manually create it, so I'll do that myself. I'll upload it onto the YouTube channel. It is Unnecessary Nonsense Podcast. It'll be just a... You know, an audio version with cartoon version of our faces. You can check it out there if it's more convenient. Subscribe to the channel if you want to get the notification for it. That's another way. But otherwise, subscribe to the podcast because that's the easiest way to ensure you catch the podcast when it's live. And usually the audio version will come up live on the various podcast streams. That'll be first. Other than that, that's it for myself and Dave. And we'll catch you in the next episode of the Unnecessary Nonsense Podcast.